took a big chunk bleeding. It's bleeding. I know it's bleeding. The thing just ripped me ear off. What do you think? Hello, everyone, and welcome along to Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast week two. Thanks to each and every one of you who tuned in last week and the great responses we've had to our comeback. Steve-O, after four years away from the microphone and me for 18 months. And if you're with us for the very first time this week, welcome along. We have a ton of stuff to get through. By the way, we are socially distant, of course, me in the royal borough of Warrington. Steve-O, still locked down, or should that be locked up? In London. Now then, this podcast, when we decided to do it, was meant to be a couple of old blokes chatting over a garden fence, bringing some light into the rugby league world. But events of the past week give us very little to smile about. Toronto, a revised playoff structure. Salford's failure to meet the terms of a financial commitment agreed way back in 2013. And of course, the game's ongoing battle with the coronavirus pandemic. Let's start then with Toronto, shall we? Um, this really, uh, for a lot of people, was a no-brainer. If Toronto couldn't fulfil their fixtures in 2020, despite all the problems of COVID-19, and they pulled the pin very early in the piece, uh, they should never be allowed back into Super League. But there was a report, it was commissioned by Super League and the Rugby Football League, and in the end, it was unanimously agreed that operating a team in a fiercely competitive North American sports market was, was non-strategic and added no material incremental revenue to Super League in the short or medium term. Do you agree? Uh, yes and no. That's how I'm looking at it, because uh, we've gone into this and saying they've come out, well, it, it doesn't, doesn't look well for Rugby League to be exposed into Canada. This and that. Why have we had to wait nearly five years to work that out. They said, oh, welcome. It's fantastic. And you know why a lot of people welcomed them? Because they made it quite clear that they didn't want any part or a slice of the TV money. So a lot of the clubs in England, they said, oh, jolly good. They'll have to self-fund. Well, the owner run out of money or he run out of time because they didn't want, it came quite clear. They said, look, because of COVID, but I'm not putting in millions and millions and millions to keep it afloat. So they had no chance. But I, it, I, I just think to myself, why on earth did they not look into all this four years ago when they applied to join uh, the Rugby Football League? And it, it makes me wonder that, you know, people who are running our game, do they actually dig into it was it only a month later that they realized that uh, january february march in canada is iced up it's full of snow and they wouldn't be able to play so what's the point of having a game and a new team when they said and that's what they've just said if you'd let us back in we'll play all our games in england well what's the point if we're going to spread the gospel of our game We've got to make sure that we have a junior development situation, that we have people from Canada who want to play our game. Now, to my knowledge, I can't remember one Canadian actually putting on a shirt 
Can you? No, I can't, but I can remember lots of spectators pulling on a shirt when we used to see it on uh, Sky Sports on a regular basis. Uh, you and I have never been to Toronto for a Wolfpack game, but we both know that Toronto is a, a hotbed of uh, sporting uh, knowledge and sporting uh, dynamism. Uh, they got crowds of something like 10,000, even for the Rochdales of this world, with all due respect to the Hornets. I mean, they never actually played a game in Super League, Steve-O, in Canada, did they? And so the market really over there is untried and untested. But they've said that operating a team in Canada, this is the, the report from Super League and the RFL, would not produce material incremental revenue in the short or medium term. They've waved the white flag. This is the end of the experiment, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. And uh, they've made it quite clear that unless you can make money, that wonderful word, money, if you can make money, yes, you're more than welcome. But if you can't make money, and they've decided that they're not going to make money, even though they've had crowds of eight, nine, ten thousand people. And evidently the the shirts and everything and all the memorabilia, that was that was selling extremely well. But they should have known to start with that they, it was always going to be a problem. I think we had quite a few of my ex-coaches. I think Brian Noble went over there to try to, to look and see what through uh, other sports in Canada and in Toronto that they could, could get players to look at rugby league and play at it. I'm sure that there's quite a lot of athletes out there who could adapt to our wonderful game. But we didn't seem to do that much. We seem to just, as we often do in the past, is we look at the tip of the iceberg and don't do anything about what's under the water. Well, there's lots of very high-profile rugby league people now who are presumably searching for future employment. I mean, a lot of the players have gone elsewhere already. Uh, Brian Noble, as you say. Uh, Brian McDermott, of course, the coach, you know, the award-winning coach from the Lead Rhinos. Uh, he is now back in the water. Um, I just wonder where he's going to end up. Well, there's some time, Eddie, you and I realise it, that you have to retire. You can't keep going on forever. It's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah, but Brian, but, Brian McDermott's yeah. not an octogenarian like you and me. No, I realise that. But and I'm sure that some club will look at Brian McDermott. It's, it, it's proven time and time again what a great coach he, he has become. And I'm sure a few other the clubs will, will want him to do that. And it was look, it was it was a big move for McDermott to say, yes, I'll try to make it work in Canada. But it was always going to be down to that one thing, money. Who's going to fund it? Who's going to do it? The guy who was adding it before suddenly said, well, because of COVID, we're not getting crowds, we're not getting money, and I'm not going to waste putting millions into something that I don't think they'll do because I, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to go bankrupt. And let's face it, I feel sorry for all the staff and the players who, according to all the reports, are not getting paid and have not been paid. Yeah, well, I mean, that is a that is a, a fairly understandable thing for the former owner to say. No money, no crowds, no income, and yet everything pouring out of his own pocket. Where does this lead? Or leave rather the the Ottawa Aces, who allegedly are coming into uh, League One in 2021, and Laurent Freysenou, the former Catalans coach, he was unveiled back end of 
uh, earlier this year rather for uh, for their new coach. Where, where does it leave the Ottawa Aces and, and and their desire to get into Super League one of these days? I mean, surely that's dead water as well, isn't it? No, no, it's it's not a problem to them because they are actually part of the NRL, uh, uh, the RFL, should I say, because they bought a. a rugby club in this country and just changed the name. So actually, Ottawa are part of the RFL. So what, now, they're Hemel Hempstead, are they? To... Are they Hemel Hempstead under a new name? Yeah, they bought so, they bought Hemel Hempstead. So are Ottawa going to play in Hemel Hempstead then? Well, of course they are. And they'll try, especially with the COVID situation, and they'll try eventually to play games over in Ottawa. And, and I hope they can do it. But the difference between them and Toronto is that Toronto didn't want to have anything to do with TV money or whatever. Well, naturally, all the other clubs in this country said, you little beauty, let's have them in. Little did they realize that they made their way up into the big league. They actually got promoted to Super League. And then yeah. it could be a problem. And not surprisingly, the previous owner said, look, if we come back in, and the new owner, if we're going to come back into Super League, then only dock us two points, which was ridiculous. And on top of that, we want a slice of the TV money. It was a no-brainer. Most of the Super League clubs said, oh, they want a slice of our money, do they? I'm afraid. See you later. Bye-bye. OK, that's Toronto taken care of. Now then, what about this uh, move that has seen the playoff uh, structure for 2020 revised? I mean, obviously, nobody in their wildest dreams or nightmares could have seen what was coming in 2020 with the pandemic. And Super League, to be fair, and the players and the coaches, I think they deserve you know, the, the highest praise for trying to battle on and get this season done and dusted. But now... The season is virtually over for, um, well, for the majority of our clubs. Uh, there are two more uh, matches to be played this weekend, um, and they are Wakefield-Salford and Wigan-Huddersfield. Top spots up for grabs as far as Wigan are concerned. If they win, they'll take the League Leader Shield and deny St. Helens. Uh, then next weekend, we move into the playoffs. Third against sixth, which will be Warrington against Hull, and the week after, fourth against fifth, Catalan against the Leeds Rhinos, with Huddersfield now on standby, uh, just in case the COVID-19 um, testing problems strike again. Um, are you happy with this? Well, it, I think it's the only little bit of sunshine that's come over the horizon. <laughs> but mainly due to the fact that, look, it's been extremely difficult, and, and I am so proud of the people, the officials, referees and everything. And that's something for that I don't rarely say about referees. But they've had to no, you knuckle said you down. Hated them last week. Well, you I do. Well, I do. Yeah, but at least they, they said they, <laughs> they took the risk, Eddie. They took the risk of controlling the games when we have this awful pandemic. Now, this COVID thing has turned a few things around. And I think what the uh, RFL and Super League have got together and they've said to themselves, we have to do that. The only thing that amazes me, uh, why is Wakefield playing Salford? It, it means nothing. Why don't they just, why take the risk of even more players catching COVID? The only real game is the one between Wigan and Huddersfield, which will decide who gets 
the, the league leaders trophy. Well, so that's what, true. But 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 when the fixtures were decided, uh, this was before the Salford uh, uh, team, a club getting deducted three Super League wins because of their financial uh, problems and the fact that they have um, have reneged on this uh, financial agreement that was put in place in 2013. Uh, Salford and Huddersfield were vying for the reserve spot to get in to the playoffs. Should, as I say, should COVID nineteen um, come to be a, a, a problem again over the next few days? So, I can see why the why the, the the fixture was being played. But I'm with you. I mean, it's a, a totally nothing uh, game now. It's just almost like an exhibition, isn't it? That, that will be on, yeah. on on Friday night. And and on top of that, um, imagine imagine someone being told a club being told, oh, you're reserve. You finished seventh, but you're a reserve. Well, it's been like that all year, Steve-O, because I, of COVID. I, I, yes, I understand that. And because why... they had a team in reserve because Toronto had, had gone. Well, what if all the teams get COVID then? I hope well, it doesn't. But what happens? They'll have to well, just say, well, we'll have to cancel the, the entire season. Well, that's the end of it, I would think. If they yeah. all if they all suffer, yes, you're right. They, they've got no option. So, if, if say Hull KR and and the other bottom clubs turn around and say, Do you know, we haven't got any COVID, maybe we can play the grand final. I know it it, it sounds so stupid, and 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 it's difficult times uh, for for Super League to try to sort it out. I think they've done the best. As I say, it's a little bit of sunshine over the horizon. Let's hope that it gets that way, but. I've said it before, and I've said it for a long time. You know, playing three games within the within the space of of five, six, seven days does not do anything towards the athletes, and they are superb athletes that play the most wonderful game of rugby league. Now, are we putting those players under a lot of pressure? I think over the last three weeks, we've seen a lot of players go down injured. I know everyone's saying, "Ah, but it." Gives these youngsters the chance to go into uh, the top top uh, situation where they can actually get a little bit of experience playing in Super League. Do you know everyone thinks that anybody who's coming through at 18, 19 that gets the opportunity is going to make it into the big league? You've also got to look at the fact that how many of those players will just realise that they played in at Super League level and think, I can't do it, I can't hack it. It can work both ways. Well, Steve, you mentioned uh, the possibility of Hulkingston Rovers taking one of the top six places. I don't think that's going to happen because uh, Hulkingston Rovers have uh, said that they have got numerous positive test results. So they're finished. Castleford, they had uh, 13 players and staff out last week. They've got another four. They're finished. Uh, Toronto have gone. Um, So we started the year with 12 teams. We've now got six, seven, or maybe eight. So, you know, it is what it is, and there's nothing much we can do about it, I suppose. Well, what we want to do is we're hoping that all those top sides, all those six teams, do not get affected by COVID. We can all keep our fingers crossed that that what they have put into place, um, we'll see go through, and especially have the grand final in Hull. Now, we can't speculate whether that is going to be true. I mean, I know the players and the teams and the clubs, they've done a marvellous job of trying to prevent the spread of COVID. But it, it can happen. 
I made the point about, you know, it's not good to play so many games in such a short period of time. We all know why they've done that. It's because they have a contract with Sky and they have to give them so many games in the season. Now, Sky have been absolutely wonderful in regards to not only showing it for the fans who can't go see the games, but the fact that uh, on a financial footing, they've helped the Super League and the Rugby Football League. Well, that's true. And of course, the, the, the new broadcast deal, which is due to come in, I think, at the end of uh, the 2021 season. In other words, things need to be sorted out throughout the course of the next 12 months. Uh, that is now out for tender and we'll, we'll just have to see uh, what comes of all that in the future. Well, it, you know, toss a coin. We don't really, don't really know. I mean, uh, I do hope that Sky do put in a very, very good tender because we, we need them. My mind goes back, Eddie, to uh, the farcical thing that we had many years ago in Australia. Um, they are getting good money from revenue from two TV channels, and they can afford to really put people into a bubble, et cetera, and so forth. What they've done down there has been, has been amazing. The government's been good. They've made sure that everyone has to uh, isolate. And we were fortunate enough to get a decent crowd for the NRL Grand Final. And it's a shame that we seem to be that Rugby Football League and Super League, why do we have two different identities? And I, it happened with Murdoch um, and, and Packer down the TV in Australia. It came to such a bad state that we nearly lost our game of Rugby League in Australia because they were bickering between the two. They even split into two different leagues. That's how bad it was. And then somebody somewhere realized and said, look, why don't we sort this out and pull them together? And I think you'd have to agree, Eddie, they've done a damn fine job down in the NRL. And it's, it's just been an amazing. Well, it has. Uh, and to be fair, in the, uh, the states that rugby league is played down there, it's rather like our Premier League football up here. It's, it's massive business and they have got the, the cash in the NRL to do all that, 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 that they have done over, over the recent past. You know, it, it is, it is, it's fantastic what they're doing. Oh, it is. It, it's amazing. And let's face it, uh, they've really pulled the finger out and said, right, we're going to have a team down in Melbourne. Now, everybody laughed at that. Melbourne, it's, oh, it's, it's Aussie rules. No way in the world will they get a team down there. Well, they've won the, won the competition four times, I think. And on top of that, there are three teams up in Queensland. Who would have thought that? I remember, yeah. when, I, I remember when I signed for Penrith, uh, people in the Sydney, in the city of Sydney, used to say to me, I don't go that far for my holidays. It's, 50, <laughs> it's 55 miles away from, from the Sydney, Sydney urban district. And the fans were saying, why on earth have they let Penrith in? It was amazing. Well, and yet, you, and yet yeah, the, well, I can understand that. I can understand that. They and also, been, they, when, they, when you Eddie, they haven't it, been frightened to do it, have they? No, they haven't. And when you think about it, a lot of people liken what's happened in Melbourne to what might have happened in Toronto uh, and Canada. Although, of course, Melbourne is on the same landmass. As, as everything else, and it's a couple of hours flight rather than six, seven or eight. But, but hey, you know, the, that, that now has gone. Looking forward to 2021, uh, the clubs have decided to, that they're definitely going to have 12 teams 
in Super League, who's going to be the 12th team? You know, if I knew that, <laughs> I could make a fortune. <laughs> Uh, what do you what do you want to do? Do you want to shuffle some cards and first ace out, or do you want to try with dominoes, or do you want to flip a few coins? Well, there's because... some very ambitious clubs, Steve. Witness, Bradford, uh, London Broncos, I'm sure, Featherstone Rovers. I even heard this week that now listen, sit sit down and don't laugh. York City Knights, right, have got their eyes on Super League with the new stadium that will be completed. Who knows when? They've got all the facilities in York, so and there's a big city. They've even uh, got designs. Uh, and don't hey, don't eliminate Newcastle either. I mean, Newcastle have done a f damn fine job. I, I think that whoever has to come into it, the people who are, whatever the commission is and whoever is to be on that commission, can go through and say, right, have you got the right development there? Have you got the money to back it? Have you got a good stadium? Have you got a certain amount of fans? Have you got... The, they've got to go through the list. It's no point in just saying, oh, we'll bring so-and-so in. I mean, the Featherson chairman has made it quite clear. He demands that Featherson go in because they lost to Toronto. And I'm sure that London will say, well, we were the team that got relegated, so we should be in there. It's Who would not, you pick? Who would you pick if you had your chance? I would go for either Toulouse or London. Simple as that. Because we've got to try to spread our wings. We've got to look. If you look at the development in Toulouse, their junior development is good, and you have to agree that the junior development with the London Broncos uh, is is absolutely marvelous. They are just. Picking these young kids up. You just look at all the top teams in the Super League and you count how many former London Broncos players are actually playing with, with those top teams. And it's just amazing. So their development surely has to put them in a very, very good position. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out during the course of the winter. I keep hearing that um, maybe the start of Super League will be delayed until the end of March next year. Is that is that right? Well, I think it's not a bad idea. But it should be in the summer, shouldn't it? It should be when the clocks go back. Well, or forward uh, or whatever it is. Well, let me just mention something. It used to be called Summer Rugby League. And then all of a sudden it started creeping back and I think they were playing trial games in January. Yeah. Now, all I'm saying is if they wanted to go back into where uh, inclement weather where you can just uh, sit back in short sleeves and T-shirts, yes, it's wonderful. But don't start too early. Give them a chance. Quite obviously, I don't think they realise, well, they do realise, sorry, they do realise that, that, that this COVID is not going to be over very, very soon. So I think it's a wise move from the uh, from the Super League and the RFL to say, well, we'll start playing maybe late March. At least we get a little bit of decent decent weather. I remember when it used to be in April, Steve-O. Remember, uh, remember that poster, Beef on the Bone is back on the menu? I think we started about April the 6th or the 7th. Yes, and I tell you what, with a touch of HB sauce on top of that beef <laughs> of the bone, it, it wasn't too bad. I'm just going to go back to the point is that, remember, we were, we were doing a game in, at Oldham 
it was freezing, it was snow, it was sleet, <laughs> it was everything. And you and I were under an umbrella. And I can remember saying, Morris, Lindsay, do something now. This game will not survive if you keep putting us into this hard, harsh winter. Yeah, I remember and, it well. And, and, and I'll give I'll give Maurice Lindsay his due. He turned it around and turned it into summer. So it's your, your that, fault. It's your fault the game moved to summer. Then fair enough. Listen, the uh, the, <laughs> the, the chairman of the Super League, Robert Elston, said the process of choosing the twelfth team uh, will start as soon as possible. Uh, right. Let's leave um, the Super League alone and talk about State of Origin, the first one that has been played. This week, New South Wales had the game in their pockets, half-time, leading 10-0. Wayne Bennett got to the uh, the Queensland team at half-time, and he turned it round, and they won 18 points to 14. Adelaide, fifth city to stage the state of origin. We, we talk about development, and we talk about spreading the word. There was a good-sized crowd in Adelaide as well to watch this. Um, frankly, I didn't think the game lived up to much myself. I really didn't. Well, it wasn't one of the great state of origin games, was it? Let's face it. I mean, my, my mind, again, goes back to the days when uh, the first five, ten minutes, the referees said, get on with it. They just kick, punch, hit, head-eye shots, you name it. I mean, it, it, it was cruel. It was cruel, no, the game's rugby been, league. The game's been, been sanitised, Steve, since you hung up, hung up your boots, remember. Don't forget yes, that. Yes, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, re, I realise that, and that's why my memory's not all that good. The, 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 the thing being, is that this man, Wayne Bennett, he knows how to get through to the players. He's not just a coach. He's a psychologist. He's like a grandfather pulling you, you know, the, the grandson to, to one side and saying, listen, this is what you're doing wrong. I have every faith in you. That's support. And that's exactly what he would have done at halftime. They tried to force the play, did the Queenslanders, in that first half. They made so many knock-ons, so many forward passes because they were trying to play out wide. And I always say about rugby league, make sure that your forwards are giving you the impetus, get you over the advantage line, and then your three quarters can run riot. And it was that speech at halftime by Wayne Bennett. He just said, we don't have to be flashy. We have to win. And that's what it was. And that's why it wasn't a great spectacle. And I'm sure that the Australian crowd will say, oh, it was one of the worst I've ever seen, et cetera, and so forth. Do you think Wayne Bennett and Queensland will matter one jot about what other people think? No, definitely this, not. This is all-out war, state of origin. I live in New South Wales, and, uh, oh, you say that you're going over the border, and they think you're a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> well, they think the Penrith is too far away at one stage, and uh, they don't go that far. On their holidays. Uh, I mean, to play the game in Adelaide, though, was, was fantastic. Eleven debutants in the match as well. Uh, eight of them from, from Queensland. And did I hear right? Um, I think the commentator, I think Ray Warren, who, by the way, is 77, Steve-O. He's 77, is Ray Warren. You and I could make a comeback. Anyway, uh, Ray Warren said uh, it was 17 years since he last coached at State of Origin level. Is that right? I think you'll find it's 14, Eddie, but, I, but I, I, I'm not sure, as I say. I, I put my head into too many scrums to disagree with you. But the one thing that, that I do know about Wayne Bennett is that he's quite happy to make gambles. 
he, as I said, is not just a coach, he's a psychologist. He would have got onto those 11 debutees and just said, uh, I have faith in you. I know that you can do it. You may not be able to sidestep five people and then score a try under the post. But I know one thing, you can tackle your opposition number out of the game. And that's what they did in the second half. They were trying to get it out wide, as I mentioned, too early. And New South Wales, they were doing exactly the opposite. Their forwards just took control in the first 40 minutes. And maybe, maybe they just sort of sat back in that dressing room, the Blues, and said, oh, we've got this, we've won it. And no doubt that Wayne Bennett will be saying, they'll be sat in their dressing room now thinking that they've won it. But we're going to go out there and make sure that they don't. That's the type of person he is. Well, it's certainly made for a good start in many ways. The fact that uh, that uh, Queensland won it. The two more games to come. We'll see how it how it all pans out. Um, talking of Australia, someone who has been playing down there for a long time and is now back at St Helens, James Graham. He's announced his retirement at the end of this season. He's been a great servant to the game, hasn't he? Legend. Simple as that. And a scouser too, a good scouser. Well, <laughs> you are one as well. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. That's yeah, why I'm flying this flag. No, tell you, brilliant. I tell you what, you, listen, you stick, you stick together, your mob. I'll tell you. <laughs> no, uh, joking apart, uh, he's been a great servant to our game, not only for the clubs that he's played for, but also at international level. Uh, the one thing that I enjoyed about James Graham was the fact that he had uh, the most wonderful ability to offload which was quite rare. It reminded me in his early days many, many times of the great Arthur Beetson. Now, that's saying something because Artie could just get that ball away, whether it be three players trying to tackle him or whatever. And James Graham, in his early part of his game, uh, used to be able to do that. When he went to Australia, as we all know, they turned him into a battering ram. But even then, he got through some hard work and he put the three quarters in a position whereby they could show their skill. A change in tactics, but a wonderful, wonderful player. And if you're listening, I wish you all the best for the future. Absolutely. Yeah, good on him. Good on James Graham. Uh, he retires at the end of this season. He hopes to go out, I'm sure, with a grand final winner's ring from Hull. And uh, he might well be playing Wigan just before we finish this this week's uh, podcast, Steve, I, I want to talk about Wigan briefly because, of course, they were knocked off the top of the table. Uh, they were, rather, they, they knocked St. Helens off the top of the table last week. Um, and they've decided just before the end of the season, they hope to go to the grand final with a new badge on the front of their <laughs> jersey. Now, I don't know when you modelled for this badge, but it looks like Hagar the Horrible. Um, they've replaced the town's coat of arms with this new warrior badge, um, and it's not really—it's not really found favour amongst the fans. There was a, an article on TV in the Northwest this week, and not one fan would talk nicely about it. It was absolutely panned, panned by them all. And Chris Radlinski has said, "Listen, we're in the middle of a digital age. We're creating something we can be proud of." Um, you know, and if we get criticised for it, well, that's just the way it is. <laughs> hey, listen, Eddie, Ridlinski is not going to come out and say, well, I think it's crap. He's <laughs> obviously going to... I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, they've just copied the, the, that coffee 
that coffee machine that Costa Costa or whatever they call it. <laughs> I don't drink. I don't drink coffee because it makes me ill. One person so, said, I know, I don't remember that as well. I remember coming back with you to Sky one day and you were in a right mess with drinking instant coffee. I'm, I'm allergic to, to uh, coffee. You're allergic to a lot of things. Um, one, two Wigan fans says, one of, it, one of them says, it looks like the devil. Another one says, it looks like the Witness Vikings badge. I mean, what sort of an insult <laughs> is that? Well, well, there's also on, uh, on the media, on the websites, uh, some person said, thank you for using all that money that I gave back to the club for the season ticket to just design a badge. And underneath it was the new badge, but instead of... Uh, Hagar, as you call him, in the middle, was was a pie. What was a pie? And I thought, if that's what it's coming to now, I think there might be such a revolt against it that they'll go back to the to their national badge. Well, we'll see. The guy who designed it, apparently Stuart Watson, has said he he was uh, he was consulting with the Wigan fans. They've kept the ancient and loyal words in the new design, but it hasn't. I'm afraid uh, reached much satisfaction with the Wigan fans that they had on TV this week. Well, I reckon he designed it in the coffee shop. <laughs> well, maybe just, that's the sponsorship deal you're trying to push out, is it now? Listen, just before you go, Eddie, I've, I've just got news from, from Australia that it, it appears that Sonny Bill Williams will retire from rugby league at the end uh, after the, this season, oh, which has ended right. already, right? Uh, but he won't be retiring from sport altogether. You know that Sonny Bill Williams is a very talented boxer. And it has been uh, it's been rumoured down there that he will take up boxing again. And they were saying that he could earn up to somewhere around about half a million to a million per bout. Wow. Now, that is big, big money. And, do you, do you uh, fancy it, climbing into the ring, Steve? Or do you fancy having a bash? I couldn't climb into the ring, Eddie. Never mind, <laughs> never mind facing up. But you couldn't just, get up the steps, no. But it, it just showed you because it, I, I think it, I think he's is is boxed uh, four times. He hasn't lost. He's got a wonderful physique, and I I have watched video of him actually boxing. He's a very very talented boxer as well. And let's face it, if you can pick yourself up at least a, a, a million to just get inside the ring, I'd like to be one of his. Well, you know, look after him, assistants. You want to be one of his corner men, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why not? But it just it just shows you that, um, you know, what a brilliant athlete this man has done. You know, it's it, World Cup winners in rugby union, and he's it, just a marvellous athlete. He is indeed. And there you are. You heard that first here on the Eddie and Steve-O podcast. Sonny Bill Williams might be making a comeback into the world of professional boxing. Okay, Steve-O, that's it for this week. Thanks very much again. Um, we'll see you in uh, seven, eight days' time, and we'll be looking ahead, hopefully, to the playoff series that will get underway, and we'll be able to tell everybody exactly uh, which games are going to be played uh, and when next weekend. Great to hear from you once again, old pal. Take care of yourself. Ta-da! Take care. Bye. See you. Bye-bye.